Hi, welcome to episode 25 of Global Exchanges, a podcast about foreign exchange markets and related issues. I'm Greg Anderson. In this week's episode, my co-host Stephen Gallo and I will be talking about the recent drop in the euro along various crosses. The title for this episode is Diagnosing the Declining Euro. Hi, I'm Stephen Gallo, a London-based FX strategist. Welcome to Global Exchanges, presented by BMO Capital Markets. Hi, I'm Greg Anderson, a New York-based FX strategist. I'm Stephen's co-host. In each weekly podcast like today's, we discuss our perspectives on the global economy and the foreign exchange market. We also bring in guests from the FX industry and from related financial markets like commodities. We strive to make this show as interactive as possible, so don't hesitate to reach out by going to bmocm.com slash global exchanges. Thanks for joining us. The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of BMO Capital Markets, its affiliates or subsidiaries. Okay, for the record, it's November 16th, 2021. As Greg said, this is episode 25. Uh, Greg, so I got to ask you, what specific highlights do you have for us? The number one feature in the FX market this week that we pretty much have to highlight is euro weakness. I'll start with the obvious, euro dollar. Just last week, support at 115, the figure looked pretty solid, but it went quickly this week and we just dived through 114. And where a number of currencies, and especially Canadian dollar, were trading in tight correlations with the euro against the US dollar, most of these non-European currencies did not follow the euro lower. So as a result, a support broke in EuroCAD, and we're now looking at a new low since 2017. Also, in EuroChina, we're at a low since 2017. And even in intra-Europe crosses, the euro is under pressure. With support at 105 to figure in Euro-Swiss looking wobbly, and Euro-Sterling headed back down to where it was before the Bank of England disappointed by not raising rates a little under two weeks ago. So, Stephen, you provide our primary coverage for Euro. I'm delighted to say that this Euro move means you're primarily on the hot seat this week. Are you ready for that? Yeah, that's fine, Greg. For a short while, I'll go with that. When we talk about Euro dollar, usually the number one factor to discuss is relative monetary policy. And that is ordinarily put into a number through some tenor of interest rate differential. So to kick off, is the two-year interest rate differential, or perhaps more broadly, relative monetary policy, responsible for this week's downdraft in the euro? Greg, in the case of euro dollar, the currency pair, I definitely think shorter duration interest rate differentials have mattered. And although there hasn't been a dramatic move in relative yields this week, the two-year swap rate differential has been steadily drifting against spot euro dollar for about two months, I'd say. One relationship that I've been flagging for most of the second half of the year and been throwing into charts in various publications has been euro dollar spot inverted overlaid with the implied rate differential between the June 2023 euro dollar contract and the June 2023 Euribor 
futures contract. And that differential, interestingly, hit a cycle high of 134.5 basis points today. Now, remember, we're talking about the rates, markets, expectations, a little under two years out, and anything can change by then. But to answer your question, yes, expectations for Fed and ECB monetary policy divergence and rate differentials haven't been helping euro dollar. If anything, I'd say they've been weighing on the currency pair. So five weeks ago, we did a podcast called Euro Out of Gas. That was our last deep dive into the euro. At that time, natural gas prices for delivery in places like the Netherlands and Germany were spiking. In that podcast, I introduced the Bloomberg ticker code TTFGDAHD. That is a ticker for the price of next day delivery natural gas in the Netherlands. At that time, this price was in the middle of a massive spike. Uh, so my question, Stephen, has that spike gotten worse? And is this responsible for this week's euro decline? Greg, you know, as with rate differentials, I think this is a factor which certainly has not helped the euro. So energy prices remain high overall. We know this. And certainly they're above, well above their year ago levels. And when I look at the ticker you specifically mentioned on Bloomberg, which is one measure of European natural gas prices, we've had a move up this week in the price, and it's now within reach of its mid-October level. So I think there are two distinct euro negative factors here, Greg, and we touched on both of them in the podcast you mentioned. One is the hit to the external account from high energy prices. The other is the medium-term energy security risk discount in the euro, given the EU's relatively high energy import dependency ratio. Germany in particular has a high dependency ratio and it's above the EU average. Hey, hey, Stephen, when you talk about Europe's energy security, it's not just about dependency on foreign sources. It's also about who those foreign sources are. So on that note, when I, seated in the US, do a search for news about Europe, the number one thing that comes up is this issue of Russian troops supposedly amassing at the Russia-Ukraine border. I would think something like that would probably put a geopolitical risk discount into the euro. So is that a factor behind the weakness in the euro this week? The answer is yes, Greg. The source of the natural gas supply is a key energy security issue for the European Union, especially with EU climate policy aiming for a relatively rapid reduction in emissions by the end of this decade. And what that has done is put a premium in the price of less dirty hydrocarbons like natural gas. Incidentally, the front month carbon permit futures price in the EU hit another record high above 67 euros per ton of CO2 today, Greg. So that's that part of the situation. But into that mix, we've also got to add an internal political risk discount into the euro because of disputes between Brussels and Poland over the rule of law. And now we've got a geopolitical one too, due to uh, a spat between Brussels and the government of Belarus over the issue of mass migration at the EU's eastern frontier. It's all sort of looking pretty pear-shaped at the moment, Greg. One of the things that you often talk about, Stephen, is Europe's competitiveness problems. I know it's not new news, really. But is it possible that the FX market has become more focused on the competitiveness issue this week, and that is behind Euro weakness? 
Greg, that's not a bad shout. Yes, I think quite possibly. Let's just re-examine the September trade balance figure for the euro area, which was released on Monday. In seasonally adjusted terms, the merchandise trade surplus came in at about 5 billion euros below expectations. So the surplus was 6 billion euros for the month of September. And just to put things into perspective, the pre-pandemic peak for the goods trade surplus was 27 billion euros. So that's an enormous decline. Uh, but you know, let's look at the bigger picture. In the bigger picture, the value of imports is much further above its pre-pandemic level than the value of exports. And that's a good way of seeing the extent to which higher import costs have eaten into uh, the euro area's trade surplus. Now, some of this is short-term cyclical, but I think because financial markets are very forward-looking, we need to be asking the question, will Germany and the euro area be able to leverage the positive forces of globalization in the years ahead the same way they did pre-pandemic and pre-global financial crisis. That's definitely an open question. Uh, You know, in other words, do we need to get used to the euro area running smaller trade surpluses than it has in the past? Okay, so we've built a pretty long laundry list of relatively new reasons for being bearish on the euro. And we've only moved from, call it, the low 115s to the low 113s in euro dollar over the past week or so. Is that enough? What's out there to stop Eurodollar from making a quick move to 110 before year end, Stephen? Well, positioning, leveraged funds are already quite short of euros on a number of axes, Greg. So positioning is something that can slow the move down in the euro. I've got to flag the ECB factor just simply because it's so obvious. It's possible that the ECB might have to step in verbally or further reduce the pace of its asset purchases at the December ECB rate decision. But it's so firmly nailed its colors to the mast in terms of its dovishness. I, I think there's only so much it can do in that regard. Honestly, Greg, I think that for the euro decline to reverse, we really need to see the focus shift back to some type of negative factor for the US dollar. It's really time for me to get out of this hot seat, Greg. So is, is there anything that we should be looking at in terms of a downside risk factor for the dollar? I'll start with what you mentioned, positioning. The FX market is pretty darn long USD against everything, not just euro. And with year end approaching, one would think that we'd see positioning reductions and a bit of dollar downside related to that. But on top of positioning, the other thing I will point out is the Fed share decision. There was a Bloomberg article out uh, earlier today saying that the decision is quote unquote imminent. Color me skeptical on that, but I would think that we get the announcement by the end of November anyway, uh, and perhaps sooner. The latest in the predicted futures market is an implied probability of about 70% for Powell and 30% for Lael Brainerd. We've been around these prices for two months now, so it's not like the market hasn't had a chance to form its thoughts on how to react if Brainerd is chosen. And I now think that the most likely FX response is to immediately sell out of large US dollar longs and then ask questions later. One of those questions would be uh, the nomination hearing, by the way. If Biden were to nominate Brainerd, the nomination would probably go through, but it wouldn't be a slam dunk like renominating Powell would be. And uh, the market, I think, is going to assume that Brainerd will be less hawkish than Powell. Therefore, rate hikes will have to come out of the curve. And I would think that the U.S. dollar index would react to that with something like 
2% of downside in a week, uh, at least under the Brainerd scenario, if that were to play out. That makes perfect sense, Greg. We'll be watching this space closely over the coming weeks, especially that choice for Fed chair. Let's wrap up episode 25 here. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Global Exchanges. Listen to past episodes and find transcripts at bmocm.com slash global exchanges. We'd love to hear what you thought of today's episode. You can send us an email or reach out to us on Bloomberg. You can listen to this show and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast provider. This show and resources are supported by our team here at BMO, including the FIC Macro Strategy Group and BMO's marketing team. This show is produced and edited by Puddle Creative. This podcast has been prepared with the assistance of employees of Bank of Montreal, BMO Nesbitt Burns Incorporated, and BMO Capital Markets Corporation. Together, BMO, who are involved in fixed income and foreign exchange sales and marketing efforts. Accordingly, it should be considered to be a product of the fixed income and foreign exchange businesses generally, and not a research report that reflects the views of disinterested research analysts. Notwithstanding the foregoing, this podcast should not be construed as an offer or the solicitation of an offer to sell or to buy or subscribe for any particular product or services, including, without limitation, any commodities, securities, or other financial instruments. We are not soliciting any specific action based on this podcast. It is for the general information of our clients. It does not constitute a recommendation or a suggestion that any investment or strategy referenced herein may be suitable for you. It does not take into account the particular investment objectives, financial conditions, or needs of individual clients. Nothing in this podcast constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a representation that any investment or strategy is suitable or appropriate to your unique circumstances, or otherwise constitutes an opinion or a recommendation to you. BMO is not providing advice regarding the value or advisability of trading in commodity interests, including futures contracts and commodity options, or any other activity which would cause BMO or any of its affiliates to be considered a commodity trading advisor under the U.S. Commodity Exchange Act. BMO is not undertaking to act as a swap advisor to you or in your best interests in you, to the extent applicable, will rely solely on advice from your qualified independent representative in making hedging or trading decisions. This podcast is not to be relied upon in substitution for the exercise of independent judgment. You should conduct your own independent analysis of the matters referred to herein, together with your qualified independent representative, if applicable. BMO assumes no responsibility for verification of the information in this podcast. No representation or warranty is made as to the accuracy or completeness of such information, and BMO accepts no liability whatsoever for any loss arising from any use of or reliance on this podcast. BMO assumes no obligation to correct or update this podcast. This podcast does not contain all information that may be required to evaluate any transaction or matter, and information may be available to BMO and or its affiliates that is not reflected herein. BMO and its affiliates may have positions, long or short, and affect transactions or make markets in securities mentioned herein, or provide advice or loans to, or participate in the underwriting or restructuring of the obligations of issuers and companies mentioned herein. Moreover, BMO's trading desks may have acted on the basis of the information in this podcast. For further information, please go to bmocm.com slash macrohorizons slash legal.